What's up? This is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Dittleman. Welcome to Mind Over Magic. So good to see you, buddy. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Matt? I'm good. It was good to hear from you in between the casts a couple days ago. You were working on creative stuff. Very cool. Yeah, constant projects. Yeah, we, we can talk to each other when we're not recording this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was glad. It was great. I know you were working on creative stuff. I was working on a bunch of it yesterday, too. I was in like a I was on a streak yesterday. I think I woke up, started working on creative stuff, and then I would like left a half hour late to go to my show l- later than I normally do because oh, wow. I was just like in the zone. Isn't that a good feeling when uh, that happens? I was going to talk to you about like flow state today because I feel oh, like yeah? I've been into it a little bit myself. And um, and I don't know if there's specific techniques to get into flow state, but when you're in it, you don't want to lose it, right? It's because you are you feel like everything's going and you're in the right way. I know there's some books uh, you know, psychological books and, you know, those kind of habit books about flow. Uh, but yeah, when everything's kind of clicking and you're in the zone, uh, mm-hmm. it's such a great feeling. It, it really is. Yeah. And then you get into that part where it's like, you're, you're almost there, but you haven't hit, figured it out yet. And you hit a wall, but like, I, I always just want to like, keep coming back at it. And sometimes it's helpful to just step away and like, remember to eat. And then you come back with fresh eyes. That's helpful too. But I'm, I'm like a big fan of like trudging through and like really trying to, trying to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. I think it comes from like that problem solving element. And I I think recently I've been getting more in that creative zone after (laughs) the past two years we've been in where it's just kind of like, all right, what is going on in the world? Because you have all these outside focus uh, things to focus on. But when you can sit down and actually schedule time to be like, all right, this is the time I'm going to try and be creative. And, you know, sometimes the quote muse doesn't always hit you, but the fact that you have that time factored in Mm-hmm. allows it, the possibility to come more, you know, if you're actually scheduling it. So like taking a task, like I was working on a new routine essentially and being like, all right, I'm going to spend an hour or two on this. And then, you know, finally like writing it out and, you know, almost mind mapping and doing all this stuff and jotting it down. It's like, all right, all the tools are there with me. And now I can get in that flow state uh, more easily. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great state to be in. Um I, uh, you, you had asked me last week what I was doing on Ellen, which, by the way, we'll, this will be our last episode before that airs. Yeah, yeah. Again, the 28th it comes out for February people. 28th, yeah, yeah. Check it out. And I kind of gave a vague answer as to what I was going to do, but I should have mentioned it's a debut of something. Because oh. I told you, oh, I like to do things I'm comfortable with, yeah. but I should mention it's a debut of something I haven't done on TV. Right. So that's cool. But it's been in um, your show? Uh, yeah, so yeah. actually it started as an Instagram. This is kind of oh. weird. <laughs> the what because, a weird path this has taken, yeah. <laughs> well, that's it's kind of uh, uh, an interesting path, and I'm sure other people are familiar with this too now because, you know, the internet is such a thing. I've been different lately how, like, I'll put something up, I'll post it as a works in progress before it's finished now, sure. which I never would do before. And maybe it's not the right thing to do. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of like I'll work on something for an hour or two, share it. And then, like, maybe six months later, I'll s- still be working on it, and I'll share it in its new state and see the the progress it gets, right? Yeah. So, anyway, I'd shared something a while ago. People seemed to like it, so I decided I was going to keep working on it, put it into the Vegas show, and, and then it finds its way to television. But um, I wanted to tell you a funny story that happened to me 
on my way to Ellen that I forgot to tell you last week. Oh, yeah. This should have definitely been on last week's episode then. Go on. <laughs> Go on. I mean, well, luckily we have a little cushion week here before it, before yeah. it comes on. So I think it's still uh, mm-hmm. appropriate. Mm-hmm. But um, this is uh, this is a tough one. I was uh, I was at the hotel. The car comes to pick you up, yeah. and I, I hop into the uh, the SUV, and we're on our way there. And it's a very short ride from the hotel to the Universal lot. Sure, yeah, it's like right around the corner. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, but we're on our way there, and it's about you know eighty something degrees in California, and I am just burning up in the back seat. I'm like, I got to get some air back here. <laughs> yeah. So there's like a little uh, control where you can actually control it from the back seat. And I turn the AC on, but it's blowing out hot air. <laughs> okay. Now, this is the days of COVID. So like long gone are the days where you show up in a T-shirt and sweatpants and then change on site. And there's, they tell you show up camera ready. Yeah. No guests. Come camera ready, ready to go, you know? Yeah. So I'm wearing I'm wearing a button-down shirt and a, a sports jacket. I'm in warm clothes <laughs> and uh, just sweating in the back seat. And I tell the guy, yeah, it's kind of coming out hot back here. I'm just going to crack a window if that's okay. He goes, oh, let me see if I can fix it. Pulls over, which I wasn't expecting him to do, and starts trying to fix the AC, which, which didn't work, by the way. So now we're <laughs> in a parked hot car. <laughs> he hops back in the front. We, we, we race our way to Universal. I think, who cares? This is a, a couple minutes. Yeah. What I didn't know. Uh-oh. Because they had sent a nurse to me the night before. Uh- uh, at for, the hotel for COVID reasons. I for a COVID okay. reason, <laughs> not just <Yeah>. like. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> and I, uh, I got my COVID test. I never heard back, so I just assumed I passed. You yeah, know? right. But what they didn't tell me is that you know I assume it's the rules of the universe a lot. When you arrive, you have to take an additional test before you're allowed to get out of the car. So you're now trapped in a hot box of a car. <laughs> So now I'm in the hot car and now we're parked. There's no like window open saving grace here Yeah. because I'm just parked in the sun waiting for a nurse to come over, does the test. Now Mm. I have to wait the 20 minutes for the results and I am dying. I'm not kidding. I'm like taking deep breaths, trying to meditate, wondering what the heck I'm going to look like by the time I walk into the studio. Right. Right. And this is um, still before you realize you're wearing the same thing Ellen's going to be wearing. Right, right. <laughs> At this point, I'm thinking I'll need to change yeah, because yeah, I'm yeah. going to be soaking wet. I literally was like, I got to get out of this car, man. I'm dying back here. I like first I went from the side of the car on the right where I was sitting in the sun to the left side. I was like, oh, at least I'll be in the shade. And I was like, man, I got to get out. He's like, yeah, you're really not supposed to get out. I was like, I got to get out. I can't do this. <laughs> so I'm getting out. I'm taking off my jacket. I'm unbuttoning my shirt. And like, not that it's like a big deal. I know I'm not going to like have like, you know, health, uh, health issue on the spot here. Right. But like also I'm not trying to walk in looking like a total mess. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like what? I'm trying to be prepared in the right mental state to perform and interact and do all the stuff. So I was like, Why is yeah, Matt I'm- so sweaty? He must be nervous uh, for the show. <laughs> I mean, imagine you just walk. You want to walk in like a professional. Yeah. You don't want to walk in looking like you just did uh, some sort of Indiana Jones obstacle course, right? Right. right. Uh, sat at a sauna for a while before <laughs> right, going. Yeah. Right. 
<laughs> so, so I said, uh, is the air working up there? Because, like, the back seat felt like a whole different world. And he's like, yeah, I think it's coming out cool up here. I was like, yo, I got to sit up front with you. So I hop out of the car. I take off the jacket. I'm unbuttoning the shirt. I sit in the front with Andre. <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, it was a little better because I had air coming out there. And then uh-huh. the, the results came back and everything was honky-dory. But, man, I was uh, – yeah, it was tough. I was just I was just hoping that I wasn't going to pass out before walking into the studio. I thought it, this whole performance might not even happen. It was kind of a close call. So I like those embarrassing stories. They're kind of fun. Also, good thing the test came back negative because as you then jumped in right next to your driver. <laughs> <laughs> right. We were masked. And, okay, you know, the yeah. other thing, too, is I never got the results. They never told me you passed. They just brought me in like a, a different, not the nurse never came back. Just producer came out and brought me in. So like, I assume I passed, but because I had COVID like a, a month and a half earlier or whatever, like I could still show positive. I don't know. And like, I have a doctor's note, of course, saying like, Matt's yeah. the safest person to be around. He's right. not contagious. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so like, I don't know if they just go by the note or if I actually passed the test. Like I'm assuming I passed, but no one tells me. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's not throw a production under the bus if they're supposed to be telling you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I don't think they have to tell no, you. I, I think, think they have their yeah, own protocol. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Listen, I'm not throwing any productions <laughs> under the bus. Last week, you were the one no. talking about the crazy ideas at your privates uh, that you didn't want to do. Of, of, of my privates, did you say? <laughs> your private events, okay, not good. your privates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. You gotta, you gotta include the event part there. <laughs> Dillman's ideas have crazy privates. <laughs> His privates have crazy ideas. Is it, is it too early for an episode title right there? <laughs> is it too early for what? An episode title? <laughs> um, it's not too early. Okay. And we should have a segment called "Hey Diddle Diddle." Uh, I mean, we have "Diddle Me This" already. It's very, very close. I can't believe you're against a, a, a segment. <laughs> That is named after you. You there's like if I were you, I'd be fighting to have every segment named after me. In fact, I should be doing that now. We should just all right. All right. Yeah. What we'll, do you got? We'll talk off <laughs> we'll, we'll talk off air. I, I'm curious too because you, uh, I wanted to jump back because you were mentioning the flow state that you it took you thirty minutes longer and you left later for your show. Have you have you ever been late to your show? No, no never. Um the latest uh, I've actually never started a show late on my account. Ever. Oh, okay. In, in, at least in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've arrived late for like travel reasons in other yeah. places, but very, very seldom, of course. Um, but yeah, every single time in Vegas, we, we start pretty much on time. And if we don't, um, it's either, you know, a few minutes behind because there's a technical difficulty or uh, maybe we're, we're short a few ushers or whatever. And, you know, yeah. they're late getting people in. But normally we start on time. And I don't think we've ever started late because I was late. Um, so yeah, I was still, I was still, I, I still left, uh, I've left later and still made it on time. So it wasn't, wasn't too bad. The, um, the other thing I was going to bring up from your, our little initial opening talk was the, this idea of you testing things out on Instagram before they're quote perfect or ready. Uh, and I think that is key. Cause that also ties into a realization I had just recently, about um, you know getting getting things out there and not like being too perfect with things because if you're always like searching for the perfect solution uh, without testing it you're not going to get there and um, it, it reminded me I quote I tweeted this out uh, just as a reminder to myself as we were talking about getting into the creativity thing is there's a quote from Amy Poehler's book Yes Please I don't know if you've read it it's a very good mm-hmm. read 
Uh, but she, she's talking about uh, the process of writing the book itself in the introduction. And the quote is, you do it because the doing of it is the thing. The doing is the thing. The talking and worrying about and thinking is not the thing. And right. uh, yeah, I think I've mentioned, I've paraphrased it on the podcast in the past before, but just doing the thing is the thing rather than talking about it is such a key thing uh, that I'm trying to always remind myself of and putting things out there. And I realize some of the hesitation of maybe tackling a project or not, you know, getting to somewhere is when you think about it, the ideal version exists in your head, right? And as soon as you start to work on it, you realize it's not going to maybe reach that ideal version that you have in your head. But, or but it can in only your head. Yeah, go ahead. In your head, you think you have the ideal version. Right. And then you execute it and go, oh, now that I've executed it, I learned this and this. Exactly. That's what I'm saying is only until you put it into practical or apply it and try things out do you find those little tweaks and those nuances. And then you can polish whatever it is you're working on once you have something physical or tangible to work on rather than this ethereal what you think it is. And then you can start to make tweaks and, and get it closer to that, whatever that ideal re, uh, ideal I, image of the thing is in your head. So you only by putting it out there can you then work on it for real. And, I've learned to love failing. Yeah, yeah. And I think honestly, I think with um, any successful people, it's they realize they're going to fail, but failing fast. And failing yeah. fast and often gets you to the results faster because yeah, you're finding more, so many ways. The more times you fail, yeah. the more times it's just numbers, right? The more times right. you fail, probably the more times you're going to succeed too, right? Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to just throw that quote out there because it's a good reminder for me and anyone listening. It's like just do the thing, try it yeah. out. You know, get it up on stage if you're working on a new piece. Write the thing that you weren't going to write because it was perfect in your head, but right. until you put it on paper, you know. I've uh, also grown to love the instant feedback you get on uh, on social media. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So even if it's in its beginning stages and people already like it, you go, oh, maybe there's something here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or maybe like something that looks like magic to me really doesn't play for other people. They look at it and go, that just looks like you did this. Right. <laughs> and that's helpful to know, too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, because we see things differently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, everyone does, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I'm all about that um, consistency and just kind of trying to put things out there. Uh, you get good at the process by doing it that way rather than trying to make everything so perfect. But it's a careful balance, too, because you don't want to be um, you want to you want quality as well. But right. the way you get good at quality is quantity, actually. I've never knew that before. But if you do something over and over in quantity, the quality improves. Right. Well, it, yes and no, because there was something in back in music school we used to say is uh, the, the old adage is practice makes perfect. Right. right. So just doing it over and over again makes you yeah. better. But there's a caveat to that, because if you're practicing wrong, you're actually reinforcing bad habits. So uh, the addendum right. is perfect practice makes perfect. <laughs> right. So right. doing it the right way over and over again will help you improve. Well, yeah, let me give context, though. And sometimes, and that's true for, you know, playing chords and changing from one to the next or playing the correct melody. But for things that are a little more broad and abstract, mm-hmm. like let's say you're creating TikToks, right? Sure. There's no like r- exact formula. Everyone's going to be a little different, every single right. one you make, even if everything's within the same niche. So, like, 
just the practice of making TikToks and learning how to use different features and finding out what people respond to, like the sure. process of doing it actually makes the mm -hmm. quality better, right? Right. But you still do need to practice, not perfect, but you need to practice well and learn from what you think is working and what you think isn't and what you, you know, want to change as you progress. It's still, it's still, those rules all still apply, but just in a more broad fashion, right? Yeah, those those ideas of like the creativity part, because sometimes you don't know what's going to resonate with an audience or what you're, you know, when there is no situation when there's the quote right way to do it, you're kind of throwing a lot of things at the wall, seeing what sticks. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's important. I mean, stand ups do that all the time. Open mics, trying out new material. You know, I do that. That's the whole reason the Maze Balls, my show, uh, when I created that here in New York, uh, why I was doing that was to see what stuff works and to try out new things. Uh, but I think it's just important to what you're saying is listen to the audience and that feedback back. Mm -hmm. And it mm -hmm. also reminds me a little bit of like, you know, the A-B testing and email marketing or, you know, all this stuff was where you can try a couple different variations of the same thing and just look at the, quote, statistics of your, you know, your open rate on whatever email list you have and right. be like, oh, this one did better. But it was only this one word I changed or this one way of approaching it. So to throw as many variables out there, but then that important next step of assessing the data you're getting back to see yes. what's what's happening. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I'm just I don't know. I'm still like into this whole creative mindset because of uh, I'm, I'm going through that Nate Staniforth course. Yeah. And I finished that. Um, oh, you finished. I finished the main modules. There's uh, apparently. So it's not I found out, too, he's not enrolling students still at the moment. Like he has the course and he could just open up the course. But I think he limited enrollment because there's a, like um, talk back sessions like Zoom sessions and which I have not made it to any of those, by the way, <laughs> but they're recorded. So I haven't worked my way through the, the I think he's done five already. Um, but um, and I think there might be only six. So maybe I'll try to get to the last one. But it's an opportunity for the students going through the course to kind of ask questions and share ideas and so forth. But the main modules themselves, I've gotten through uh, the different uh, ways to and it's all about designing magic and coming up with methods and you know, he interviews um, some legends in the field on their creative approach as well. Um, you know, Michael Weber, your buddy, Kalen Morelli, Brent Braun, who's a mutual friend, and uh, just kind of hearing how they approach their creative process and just seeing different perspectives. I thought that was really fun. But what I really like about Nate's course is he, he talks about his process clearly, but it's all about breaking things down into small, manageable chunks. So, you know, he talks about how to create a method for an ideal, that ideal illusion, right? And uh, until you're, again, putting it out there, until you're practicing and trying it out and trying, analyzing which method is going to work, it's never going to maybe reach that ideal until you, you know, polish all the little elements together and then you can get close to whatever that ideal is. And uh, he's... He talks about mind mapping too. <laughs> One thing made me very jealous about me living in, uh, or a little bummed out about living in New York is he. He's like, I, you could use software for mind mapping, or you could use no notebooks. He's like, my preferred method is note cards on a blank wall with painter's tape, and just putting that central idea, and then just letting everything else kind of expand from out there. And I was like. Man, to have a blank wall while living in New York sounds <laughs> real nice. <laughs> it's just a space problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, the whole thing that's inspiring about this for me is like 
think about this now. Like, you you're so excited to still be a student of mm-hmm. of what you're doing that you you know you're taking this course by a peer. Yes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, a peer that you respect, obviously. And like you, you're a, a professional mentalist, many years over now, uh, done lots of national television and so on. You're you're touring, but you're still a student, and I think that's just so important to remain. And that's yeah. the coolest thing, to yeah. me. That's the part that I hear and go, "Yeah, he's he's still in the zone. This is good." Yeah, and it's also those moments. We all have those moments where the excitement maybe wanes and isn't yeah. always as fresh. So finding a new way to inspire yourself and to be like, "All right, this is what I really am passionate about," and finding, you know, how other. I think it's important for me to find out how other people approach things too, because then it's like, "Oh, I've never looked at it this way," and now I can try and, you know. The, the what's the uh the like the the quote about artists stealing you know an artist steals but you're not really stealing you're taking little ideas from here and there and applying them to your own self uh mm-hmm. and i think that's what i'm doing with this course is like i'm oh i'm gonna grab this little nugget of information and this little approach of how he does it and see how that meshes with what i've already established with my creative process and try that out as if i get stuck in my own way i can try someone else's way for a bit and see how that could tie us together yeah which i might do the course again because uh i've only been kind of auditing it and he's kind of encouraging you to do the homework along with the course which i haven't been doing <laughs> but, oh um, my god all this praise i just gave you and you're not even a good student no it's just it's just a time and a vi- i prefer to watch the videos but i'll go through again and do like the actual he's like you should have your first effect finished by now and it's like oh yeah just kind of kind of getting the theory the first go around <laughs> no extra credit for you <laughs> Exactly. So <laughs> that's cool. What else is happening in Vegas, Matt? Vegas. Uh, just just doing the shows. Like I said, yesterday mm-hmm. was a great day. I didn't work on an effect yesterday. I worked on like 12. Mm. And I think I still, you know, back to the quantity thing. I might have uh, kind of stumbled across something that could be a, a couple of things that could be like really uh, that I, I'm excited to explore some more, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's what I was doing. Literally, from the time I woke up to the time I went to the show, that's all I did. Wow. So, you know, creative flow as well. You know, I'm sitting down, mm. I got my notebook out, then I sit at the computer, I type, and then, you know, it's one thing to get it on the page, and then it's another thing to, like, tr- try to explore a path to, like, actually bring those things to fruition. But I just love the process of, like, making something from nothing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's the cool thing about it, right? It's just... Yeah it didn't exist and now we're going to try to make it exist and even if it doesn't work out it's uh it's the process that's like the learning experience so you still kind of win yeah that's uh that's kind of what um brent braun touches upon in in one of his interviews on this course is like you're gonna hit so many roadblocks if you're manufacturing something for the magic community you're gonna hit like you know it's not cost effective or someone already had this idea and he's like right all of those roadblocks are still part of the process it's gonna give you more information and the next time you do it you're gonna have that wealth of knowledge on how to approach something um, now, speaking of creative forces, there is also sad news in Vegas as well that I know you're already up to speed on. Yes, yes. And especially in just how original this person was. But um, uh, the, we, we should, yeah, <laughs> we should touch upon how amazing this person was because it was literally in his name. But uh, the magic community just uh, just finding out today, I guess we're recording a, you know, a little earlier than we 
normally do, but uh, the uh, the amazing Jonathan has passed away, and uh, he was a huge impact on me and my approach to you know using comedy and magic. And uh, you, you living in Vegas, did you have any you know connection with him at all or? Yeah. Uh, your yeah. Yeah. No. I. Uh, you know. Uh, I. Uh, Jonathan came to my show, and I got to. I think that was probably the first time I met him. Maybe. Yeah. Um. Was after the show, and it was so inspiring to have him there. Uh. I grew up watching him. He was on World's Greatest Magic too. He had two mm-hmm. segments on it, and um, it resonated with me because he was so funny. But also, uh, and as a little kid, I wanted anyone who came over my house to watch World's Greatest Magic with me. Right. Because yeah. I had to tape it on the VHS tapes, and uh, we know so you're like, obsessed with that show and know all the trivia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the point is that was one of the um, acts on the show. Dare I say, like one of the few that like lay people were super excited to like watch. Sure, yeah. It, it just that that was funny to them. That was like, I don't know if you'd call it counterculture, counter magic, whatever you would call it, but like that was the one that like people were like. Oh, now this is funny. This is great, right. you know? Yeah. So I always knew that, like, I could show them that, and then I could get them to watch a couple of the other magic acts that I liked, <laughs> you he know? Was, he was your gateway into the, the more, like, magic-y magic stuff on that Yeah, special. depending on yeah. the person's personality, I would many mm-hmm. times open with a Jonathan clip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he so. was just so such a force. I mean, obviously, we knew this was gonna coming for a while now. He's had several documentaries. I think he had two documentaries, and even in one of the documentaries, there's a mention of a third documentary about his life uh, and the fact that, you know, he's, you know, he kind of knew this, uh, his passing was going to be inevitable with, uh, you know, the the disease, the, you know, the illnesses that he had, but he kept kind of beating that diagnosis for years, it seemed, and it seemed like nothing was ever going to catch up to him. Uh, but sadly, that day has come. And I, um, yeah, he was just such a big influence on me. I remember watching him and think, I think he might have been one of the first comedy magic acts I've ever seen. You know, there's several big big ones but he was always to me one of the absolute funniest because it was unclear whether he was a magician or uh, that was doing comedy or a comedian who just was doing magic but it was hilarious like we, i've never seen time, anything like it yeah by the time he hit his peak it really wasn't magic anymore so early on in his career he was kind of a comedy magician mm-hmm. and then um I, I I use this term lovingly, but like as he progressed to his peak, he was more of a prop comic. Yeah, there and was a, that phrase yeah. can get a bad mm-hmm. name, but I mean to me it doesn't. But right, but you could also see his magic technique still, like the fact his that he had that yeah. background uh, mm-hmm. and just the, the I don't know the, the creative. He was so manic on stage, and you know yes. he had this feeling that anything could happen at any moment and you know it's kind of unhinged and there's so much fake blood and things falling from rafters and injuring people and it's just like I never seen a show like that and I remember like in my formative years when I was growing up and my brother and I would be on the couch watching every comedy special we could uh, but his lounge lizards bit was like the oh, yeah. first thing, and just seeing that in his later Comedy Central specials and his longer, you know, one hour special on Comedy Central, wrong on every level, I think is the name of it. Uh, and he, I went back this morning and watched um, his even his early like Just for Laughs and seeing all of these bits. 
that are so original and <laughs> also copied amongst other magicians because well, they were yeah. like these lines were so funny and the, the sad thing in magic is so many people just see things they like and then we're like well i could do that but it's like no jonathan invented these lines it's just well like, here's the it's so, so funny great. you mentioned that. i was just about to say because his character was so unique he's one of the few examples where and mm-hmm. I, I was literally going to say this before you brought it up because i've seen magicians try to use lines of his there's never been a more obvious person to try to <laughs> steal a line from because when yep. the people will say it it's like oh, that doesn't fit you even right. if you don't know if, you know if a lay person doesn't know who it's stolen from it just doesn't fit them yeah it's so obvious to me when someone steals a jonathan line you know even if i hadn't heard the line mm-hmm. i'm like that might have been Jonathan's. <laughs> right, right. It, but it's so quotable, too. I remember me and my brother just quoting se- several of his bits. I mean, I literally watched these Comedy Central specials hundreds and hundreds of times. because mm-hmm. And even watching them, again, I, I revisited them this morning. They're still making me laugh out loud. Uh, while Did I'm you have like, a f- uh, favorites? Did you have favorites I th- of his? I, I think maybe the, the, the lounge lizard one. I mean, I have so many favorite bits of his, but like the fact that he was like the... Just even I things you would never even think of. Or he's drinking the Windex bottle, right? And he's right, like, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, I have a tendency to want to run around while naked, but this right. streaking, like those right. little lines. Um, I, I I wrote a little list of just like reminders. Sometimes I mean the line he rips up a guy's dollar bill, and then behind the curtain you hear the yeah. scotch tape and it's like magic so- often sounds like tape right. and not only did i put your bill together but it comes in this neat little carrying case like yeah the, the so funny um one of my favorite bits is from the world's greatest magic 2 special is being a mentalist and seeing him kind of take that oh, on right that is, was great is, uh he's doing a he borrows a couple like jewelry and watch from people and he's like oh and by the way, I realize I'm just rehashing someone else's bits here, so it's not going to be as great <laughs> as seeing Jonathan. So your homework, by the way, is to go watch some amazing Jonathan clips on YouTube or find it somewhere. I, I think his whole special is on Paramount+. Plus. But he's like, I'm getting the sense that this is a gift from someone. It's a, from a male. Is it... Uh, your husband. Your husband's an entertainer. He's a magician. Am I your husband? It's so yeah. funny to me because so he's great. playing off that mentalism trope. Um, and I mean, just just the, he built props. The phrase "the hand is quicker than the eye," and he yep. literally has a hand and an eyeball racing on a track <laughs> to prove the eyeball wins. I mean, that's a thing my me and my brother would always repeat to each other. Fun fact, the streaking line when he drinks the Windex says this prevents me from streaking. When I was a kid, I didn't know what that meant. My grandma explained it to me. <laughs> um, well, it one also, that I've. Oh, I was going to say, speaking of your grandma, you t- tell a story in your show of how you thought card productions work. And Jonathan yep. does a version of the, quote, fake version of the card productions that's incredible to see you know Mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. and and he's got these cards and they're just appearing and they're getting bigger and it's he's got a black curtain behind him for some reason right 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 his assistant like tanya comes back and kind of spoils the gag which is a you know a trope of his but it's just Mm -hmm. it's not only amazing to watch but then you get the comedy punchline on the reveal oh so good 
one of my favorites that I've only seen him do once, and it was on World's Greatest Magic 2. Uh, he's He walks on out, and the first thing that's happening is he goes to talk into the microphone, and it's like feeding back a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's like, oh, just take the monitors down, please. And they just the feedback keeps getting worse. Take the monitors all the way down. Just take the monitors mm-hmm. all the way down. And like literally a giant speaker monitor falls from <laughs> above, whacks him in the head, and he falls to the ground. And what made what made it so funny was the way he reacted to getting whacked in the head. I mean, mm-hmm. just the way that he played it, yeah. and uh, was was made, what made it so special. And obviously, it's a funny bit in general, but the character was was the best. Yeah, I think he's the best version of the uh, knife through arm I've ever seen with the blood yep. and just it's so yep. real looking. And yep. then he just shows it's an illusion and just right the the manicness he has and the lengths he would go for production wise for a joke like you're saying with the monitor falling from the rafters or right. in one of his special he has a whole rig of just middle fingers and it's just to, to flip off the audience or. <laughs> You know, uh, and how he's timed things with the, the you know, a, 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 like a audio cue or a visual right. sight gag. He just and mentions, they're all brave. Yeah. And unique. Yeah. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. It's such a shame. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge loss creatively to the magic and comedy world. And, uh, yeah, it's it's sad, but it was uh, it's really nice to go and revisit those clips and uh, remember what a powerhouse he was. So mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Well, there's no real easy way to transition out of this, but you want to do some riddles? <laughs> I mean, if you can give me a Jonathan riddle. Uh, I do have something prepared, so let's jump into Diddle Me This. Diddle me this, diddle me that. Will Eric end up stumping Matt? Riddles! All right, so this is in honor of Amazing Jonathan. There's a few riddles here, but you're going to have to answer them quick. This is something he actually did in one of his shows, and I hope you uh, don't remember it super well so that you can you can follow along. <laughs> but you understand that I'm most likely going to be familiar with it. That's okay. That's okay. okay so if you're right. listening for the first time to these, uh, I mean, these are also kind of uh, classic riddles that he incorporated into his show. Uh, so you might have heard him before, but the way he did it, he would give an audience member like 60 bucks and then mm-hmm. he'd have them answer questions and then grab the money back if they got it wrong. <laughs> um, but uh, so play along at home if you're hearing this. Try and answer fast here. So the first one, uh, how many animals of each did Moses take on the ark? Go, Matt. Answer fast. Well, the answer is none. Right. He would get the person to say two. It's none because... Uh, it's Noah's Ark. It is Noah's Ark, not Moses. So you got to dig on that. You would win the $20. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling you're going to get all these wrongs because you're a huge magic buff and you probably know his act. I could probably, I might even yeah. be able to ask the next one. Oh, funny. Uh, does it involve an animal? Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. Do you want to ask it? Do you, you're doing the mind reading trick that I did a previous episode. Say silk five times fast. Yep, that's the one. Say silk five times fast. Silk, 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 silk. And what do cows drink? People say milk, but they give milk. They drink water. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> Try I these love on this. your friends. I love this. Love this. You're trivia. just so happy you're getting all the riddles right. Um, all right. These were all on Champions of Magic. <laughs> I have sixty cups, and I take one away. How many do I have left? Uh, <laughs> so it sounds like you're saying sixty. But what he wants to say is six T, T-E-A, cups. <laughs> that is correct. So the answer is five, but most five people cups. will say 59. 
Uh, so you got that one right. And then lastly, spell the word pop. P-O-P. Mop. M-O-P. Top. T-O-P? What do you do when you come to a green light? People say stop, but you go. That is correct. <laughs> so in honor, you have two homework assignments. One is to go watch Amazing Jonathan, his Lounge Lizards, his Comedy Central special, his longer one-hour special, uh, Wrong on Every Level, uh, his Just for Laughs, any of those. Uh, but also... Try these riddles out on a friend. And, oh, uh, yeah, they're really fun to do. And when they, 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 hopefully they won't have heard of them before, and you'll be able to trip them up with all of those. And, uh, and, and if you're feeling brave, put money on the line like Jonathan did. <laughs> when you're doing those riddles for people that haven't heard them, like the, you know, how many animals of each did Moses take on the ark, you feel really guilty when you're doing it. You feel like it's so obvious mm-hmm. that you're saying Moses' ark. But yeah. it flies right over everybody. It's unbelievable. Exactly. I think my favorite of those is the sixty cups. I love that one. And you say sixty cups because it's it's an audio illusion, mm-hmm. and no one can tell you're saying six teacups. It's great. This was the best trivia we've ever had on the show <laughs> because it was right in your wheelhouse. But speaking I loved of it. trivia, let's move on. Matt picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready, time to use his wit. Pressure, pressure. Pressure, trivia, pressure, trivia time. I am ready when you are. Okay, sir. I'm giving you geography trivia today. All right. Can you tie it into Jonathan somehow? No, I'm just kidding. I hope nope. I didn't ask this before. No pressure. Yeah. We haven't finished the database for you to go back and check. All right. Out. Yeah. What is the Earl? Mm. Take two. <laughs> What is the Earth's largest continent? Large, I feel like that should be fairly obvious. The largest continent is Asia. Right? I have that. I have choices. Can you name all seven, first of all? I assume you yeah. can. North America, South mm-hmm. America, um, Africa, mm-hmm. <laughs> Europe, and Asia kind of come to one. Sometimes it's Eurasia, but I think they're separate continents. Mm-hmm. Uh, Australia and Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you say Asia. Yeah, that's the biggest by far. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that was easy. Is that it? <laughs> There's more. Okay. What country mm. has the most natural lakes? Oh, I have. N- oh. oh, boy. How big is a lake? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> also, are the the Great Lakes are technically U.S., but they like border Canada. Um, I do have choices as well. I'm trying to think right off the bat. I know which state has the most lakes because it's like the again that's a Jonathan line. See, I'm tying it back where he would talk about. Um, he's like, this is the uh, you know the silk of India, known as the <laughs> the land of lakes, the windy city. So good, so funny. Um, uh, give me the choices. Okay. The choices are Canada, mm-hmm. Australia, okay, India, mm-hmm. United States. All right. So uh, my gut instinct was the U.S. because uh, there's a lot of lakes. Australia doesn't seem. I don't know Australia super well, but I think a lot of it's desert. That doesn't seem like there'd be a lot of lakes there, um, especially in the middle of that country. Canada. If they have lakes, I'd assume they a lot of them are frozen. 
And uh, India, I know of a lot of major riverways, but I don't know. They gotta, maybe they lead into lakes. Um, gut instinct says the U.S. is just so big. There's got to be a lot of lakes. If I were in New York with you, I would hit the buzzer sound. Yes. No, the buzzer. Oh. The buzzer. <laughs> the, 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 sad, the sad sound. <laughs> okay. Which actually gives me great joy after you were so in, c- confident after that first one. I was almost insulted that I even asked you the first question about the continents. <laughs> it brings me great joy for once because usually I'm rooting for you. But in this case, I'm very happy to hit the buzzer. I gotcha. I gotta hit the ding sound anyway, even if I'm wrong. No, um, you did. What is what is uh, the correct answer? Canada. Ah, uh, okay, that makes so sense. So Canada has more than half of all the natural lakes in the world. What? Uh, an impressive nine percent of the country is covered in fresh water. Wow, wow. I guess I gotta know my um, my Canada geography better. Well, That's a I lot of lakes. Uh, you know what? You do, should we do a should we do a third question to try to yeah we bring you rub- up to speed here? Rubber match. All right, so here's the tiebreaker. Okay. Any any hmm. day. <laughs> well, I have options. Ooh, okay. oh wow, this one is a geography question, but it involves mm-hmm. Star Wars. Ooh, I, do I do I, that one or do I do the other? That one? That sounds fascinating. You've already teased it. I might <laughs> save that one. All right, I'm going to give you just a straight geography question. Okay. Which African nation has the most pyramids? Uh, I feel like this could be a trick question. The the only African nation I know that has pyramids for sure (laughs) (laughs) is Egypt. However, (laughs) there could be one, you know, lesser-known pyramids in another African country? Now, now, here's the thing. I, I have absolutely no idea. Like, we could work on this together because I don't know the answer. But Egypt is one of the choices, uh, as nope. is Libya, uh-huh. Sudan, and Algeria. Uh, but I feel like the obvious answer has to be Egypt, right? Right, but I feel like there's probably, like, small little pyramids and probably, like, a lot of them maybe. Really? Oh, it says which one has at, the most. As a trick. <sighs> Although he, the thing with the, Egypt, uh, Egypt obviously has the pharaohs that built all the tombs. And like other than the great three giant pyramids that everyone's familiar with, there are, are a lot of tiny little pyramids as well. But I feel like there's other tombs elsewhere <laughs> throughout. Uh, let's just go Egypt. Let's see what happens. I'm with you on <laughs> Egypt. Let's see how we do it. Oh, I told you it was going to be a trick. I'm going to say Sudan next. Uh, Yeah, correct. (laughs) Wow. So I'll take the blame on that because I was really I was really leading you to Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't know. Wow. Sudan is home to over 200 pyramids, more than twice that of Egypt. Now, it'd be a totally different question if it was what country has the most pyramid schemes. Um, so. <laughs> what is the answer to that? Is that the U.S.? I would just, I don't know. <laughs> don't let me lead you on anything. Um, that that reminds me too, because uh, you know that kind of whole idea of conning people and getting people to buy into you. I, I watched. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this show on Netflix, Inventing Anna. 
Do you no, know I haven't even this? heard of that one. Okay, it's uh, I, I'm always fascinated by con artists and that kind of element because it's sort of tangentially related to the magic world in terms of taking advantage. Being of a con people, artist, people's perspective. I mean, the gambling world is very related to the magic world, and sometimes that gambling world has you know con artists. And I mean, I know several people in the magic world that you know love talking about cons, the greatest cons, and so forth like that. Uh, but uh, this is interesting. This is a uh, German heiress who might not be what she seems, and she kind of racks up some huge credit card bills, founds out she doesn't really have the, the lineage of uh, that she's supposedly having, and uh, ropes into it. She basically stays at a lot of hotels and racks up the credit card bills and doesn't have ways to pay for them, but still leaves this extravagant lifestyle as if she has a lot of money and claims that her, you know, father, who's very rich, keeps cutting her off and doesn't have the money to pay. And it gets friends and confidence that she has to pay for her until it all goes to trial. But it's a uh, it was a real story, and um, they, they kind of dramatized it a bit in a nine-episode um, series on Netflix called Inventing Anna. But it was just fascinating to see that level of, like, is this an intentional con, or is it just kind of like someone who was believing their own BS in a way and just was kind of incompetent about it? And uh, at one point, she she rooms with the guy from the fire festival that started that whole you know fiasco. So wait, like, wait. So this is a documentary. This is a. It's a. It's based off a true story, but this okay, is the, so it's the a, dramatized okay. version of it. Got it. Got it. Okay. But it's it really happened, and you know, real court cases, and uh, you know, oh, okay. It's the way she was able to work her way into the elite of, you know, New York high society and was like rubbing elbows and getting loans from top, uh, you know, banks were that had no business of giving her huge amounts of money. It was just really fascinating to see how, you know, it, it is a confidence game in a way is you're, you're getting people to trust you and to believe But there's this whole it also ties into this whole generation of, uh, you know, the kind of the, the, the Silicon Valley tech world of a lot of people promising things before they're able to deliver on them and just kind of having this dream. So it's that blurred line of like, is this an intentional con or is it just believing in something that they shouldn't have been believing? Like it right. brought to mind the whole um, Theranos CEO who was like promising the whole like blood. Uh, do you know what about this? There's like basically in the tech world, it was like, doing fast data analysis on people's blood to cause diseases, you know, what causes diseases and to, it was going to revolutionize the health world. And she kept getting investor money, investor money, but really the product wasn't there. They were thought the product would get there, but it ended right. up frauding a lot of investors. So it's, the, I don't know. It's something fascinating about <laughs> the con world, but also like, is it is it just hype? Is it just people right. believing their hype? And that's where we are as a country now. Is like, oh, if you make it, you fake it till you make it. Right. Versus, no, I'm really doing this intentionally to get people's money. I don't know. I think it was fascinating. It's a good watch. Uh, that is fascinating. Yeah. Um, I've been fascinated with something in the con world actually. Oh. And I I wanted to tell you about this a while ago, but it's sort of an evergreen topic. But I I'm obsessed. Maybe my personality is a little obsessive. But I've been I've been like watching this YouTube channel pretty religiously and like there are live streams and videos and like I'm even donating to it now. Right. Like I'm a member. Oh, yeah. Like I'm like really into it. Are you a Patreon? 
Uh, I don't think it's a Patreon. It's like a YouTube thing. Gotcha. But there's also, yeah. like, it got me to go on Twitch because there's con- exclusive content at Twitch. So now I'm going on Twitch sometimes. I don't have an account or anything, but I go on there. I don't think I know of you going this deep down a rabbit hole on anything else other than magic before. So I'm very interested to hear what this is. It's a YouTube channel called uh-huh. Scammer Payback. Now, Ooh. the the host of this channel, his name is Pierogi. And he's, I don't believe he's the first to do this, but I've watched some of the other scam baiting type channels now because I'm that far down the hole. Mm-hmm. And, and Pierogi is still my favorite, far and away. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll explain to you what it is. Yeah. So he's a hacker, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he is saving victims from being scammed. That's the focus of like his particular channel with these like phishing and phone scams where uh, they'll basically catch people by like, they'll send them emails or, or what have you, claiming they're from Amazon, claiming they're from uh, different companies, Microsoft, whatever, or Norton Security, but they're not. Mm-hmm. And um, most of the ones I've seen so far, these are these like scam uh companies quote unquote are are based out of different parts of india for whatever reason and uh when people call them back who tend to be people who are sort of not as tech savvy uh, a lot of times elderly people they'll call up and they'll say i got a message saying that i was charged 300 dollars, and i'm calling for my refund and they'll say great we'll process your refund are you near a computer they'll get the person to go on their computer and then they'll get them to download uh, something called AnyDesk or some type of remote viewing system right. where they're now the, the, the hacker, the, not the hackers, the scammers are now in their computer. Anyway, and they'll, they'll find ways to scam the people out of money uh, through various tactics that I won't go too far into right now. But the point is he'll claim to be one of these victims and he just scam baits mm. these people. He'll call them and he has a voice changer. So he plays an old na- old lady named Vivian Rogers and he does this voice and he has really? another, he has like five different characters that he does with his voice changer. And he hacks into their system, gets on their computer, deletes all their files, finds their victims information, calls the victims and saves them. Um, wow. And, yeah, in some cases, they actually will find these like money mules in person, and they'll go there and confront them, and that's what the whole channel is. And I'm fascinated by it. It's it's very much a, like a white hat hacker in, in terms of like they're doing it for good, rather yes. than you know the other side of the coin. Which I think is why I'm fascinated by scams in general, because again, it's using deceptive practices, but on the other side of the coin from where we're using deceptive practices for entertainment value, they're mm-hmm. doing it to harm and to trick people into giving them money, and you know, just it's 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 it's. Using the powers for bad instead of for good. <laughs> but right. uh, this channel sounds interesting because he's, again, using the powers for good to defeat the bad. And I like It's that. a pretty big deal. Like, a lot of people watch the live streams. He's got, you know, I'm not sure how many millions of subscribers between the different platforms. But, like, a lot of people are really part of this sort of, you know, fighting the good fight and supporting what he's doing to, to save innocent people from getting scammed out of sometimes their life savings. I mean, it really is an Mm. exciting thing to watch and, and it's actually really hilarious because he just does all these really stupid bits. Like it's like a prank. It's a mix between like saving people, but also 
a prank phone call, like the immaturity of a prank phone call where he's doing these voices and just like wasting these scammers time by like acting like he's a real victim that they might actually get money from. And he's really just trying to find a way to get on their computer. And then like, in some cases he's able to access their webcam and tell them like who they are, what they're wearing, who their boss is, where they're calling from. He'll get their IP address and like access all (laughs) kinds of information. It really freaks them out and they'll shut down their whole system. Because they they realize it once he starts letting on. And, like, he's learning Hindi so he can speak to them in their own language. And that freaks them out. The whole thing is – it's really quite special to me. But, you know. reminds me of there's a – there was a one-person show. I only got to catch it over um, lockdown when they did an online version of it, like, just through Zoom. But it was a stage show um, by a a comedian named Dean Cameron called The Nigerian Spam Scam Scam. And he's basically leading on. He basically took a telemarketing call that he knew was going to be a scam and kept them on the line for as long as possible and then just had this communication back and forth with them through emails and so forth. Yeah, I think it was an email and he responded to the email and just Mm -hmm. kept it going to see how far to see what the end result would have been, obviously keeping himself safe and not giving correct information to them. Right, Uh, But it sounds very similar in terms of, you know, trying to get this to its natural end and to if you're wasting a, a scammer's time that means they can't be scamming someone else's you know totally. at the same time so right yeah. and really I, and i should mention the production value is quite interesting too because there's a lot of green st- screen stuff oh, a lot of times these scammers will tell you okay i accidentally refunded you 40,000 or 4,000 dollars instead of 400 now you have to pay us back or i'm going to lose my job and they'll try to send these people to go to like target and buy gift cards and then give the gift card information which seems like a right. crazy ridiculous thing to expect someone to do but i guess yeah. in some cases it works or send cash in the mail so mm. anyway they want to stay on the phone when you drive to Target. So like he's got a car background and car sound effects. So it sounds like he's in the car and he's playing music the whole way there. I mean, there's a, it's, it's actually quite fun to, to, to watch and it's produced quite well as well. So Scammer Payback is the name of the channel. And I personally very much enjoy it. Oh, that's fantastic, Matt. Yeah. Well, what do we say we uh, wrap up? We've got more to talk about. I'm sure we'll get to it next week. Uh, I saw a bunch of shows. We can touch on those. I've watched a lot of shows uh, on television and so forth. We can touch on those. Uh, but for now, um, I think I think we should wrap up and get to our uh, goals. Matt, how's your goals going? Was my goal to read a book? Yeah. You finish your win book. I did. It was called Win. It was probably my least favorite of the Harlan Coben books that I've read, but I did. Mm-hmm. I muscled through it. And remind me the what genre of book that I mean as I know it's a novel, it's a fictional He's book. kind of the king of he's kind of the king of like uh one of the kings, I should say, of um like the mystery sort of twist and turn thriller where you don't know what's going to happen mm. and like a murder um, mystery seen, kind of thing? or Yeah, oftentimes it mm-hmm. is sort of a murder mystery, but it's just mysteries in general with lots of twists and turns. If you've seen Stranger on Netflix, that okay. was a book by him that's turned into a Netflix show as well as mm-hmm. other other ones on there too. I just uh, started watching um, Reacher on uh, Amazon Prime based off of uh, the the books by Lee Child, which are there's so many books, but it's again this like kind of detective murder mystery 
thing. Uh, I know how you fared with Bosch, so I'm a little hesitant to reject it, but it's a different, whole different style, and it's a faster pace, and I think you right. might actually enjoy it. Um, but uh, especially since uh, they, they had a couple Tom Cruise movies of Jack Reacher that came out, and he's just so not that part because it's all about this huge domineering, you know, guy who's almost got like Sherlockian. Uh, elements of investigation powers, just knowing and seeing through people. So it's always fascinating to tie that into mentalism. And when you could just, you know, that ideal version of looking at someone and telling all these details about them by little clues on them is fascinating. But to Did see you like it, that show Psych? A little bit. He's not necessarily using, you know, okay. he's pretending uh, on Psych, they're pretending to be a psychic. He's yeah. just, he's just very well attuned like a Sherlock detective. But it's also interesting seeing it from a huge, big, domineering guy. Uh, right. You know, uh, the the actor played like Aquaman on Sw Smallville, so he's like this huge dude, uh, which also just shows how wrong Tom Cruise was for this role <laughs> because right. Tom Cruise is like the littlest man. Uh, but right. um, but yeah, I think I think you might if you give the pilot uh, a watch, you might get hooked. Uh, I'll What's just the title say that. on that then? Reacher. Reacher. Right. Yeah, as in Jack Reacher. Um, right. So what's your goal for next week? So you finished your win book. Um, you know, my goal is uh, some like I mentioned, I was working on a bunch of things yesterday. So I'd like to sort of refine some of those. Refine one of the twelve dozen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dozen yeah, yeah, yeah. Effects you're working on, effects yeah. routines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Great. Um, my goal was to finish the Nate Staniforth course, which technically I did the course part. I, I'm going to go and watch those little Zoom calls with the other students to see what they chat about. Um, so that was I, I nailed that goal. And to read, I did a little bit of reading. Uh, but my goal for next week is I got a, a couple new um, magic-y things to play with. So I want to learn and uh, work on those as well. So I think we're both kind of doing the same goal next week. It's just love it. work on magic routines. Love it. <laughs> yeah, Matt. So plugs. Give us your plugs. Hey, uh, you check out Ellen on the 28th. This is the last episode before that'll air. And now, if I look super sweaty, you'll know why. <laughs> and if I don't, that means their makeup person did a hell of a job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. we'll see how that goes. And, uh, and a yeah. reminder from last episode, once you see what Matt's wearing, picture Ellen also wearing that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, come out and see us in Vegas. Vegas is back alive and popping. I am so thrilled to say it. So hopefully we're out of the woods on the on the craziness. I'm uh, cautiously optimistic, but uh, we are just having the best time and the best shows out here. It's been uh, really a vibrant time in Vegas um, this month. So yeah. come on out. Um, you can always find me at my website, ericdittleman.com. I'm hitting the road quite a bit this next month. Uh, all over the place. Uh, a lot of uh, private shows at colleges and some companies. Privates. Pri <laughs> Privates. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm going to be at a bunch of colleges, a bunch of corporate events. Uh, but uh, I guess if you are in the magic world and you're in the New England area, I'm going to be popping in just as an attendee uh, next week uh, for the NEMCON uh, convention. Uh, which is a big, uh, I think it's their 45th year. I could have that wrong. Uh, 40th. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's got to be 40th. Yeah. So, uh, and they're honoring our friend, um, Jim Spinato as well. Yes, sir. So I'm going to be there for that. Um, hi, Jim. <laughs> hi, Jim. And uh, so check that out. 
and uh, I'm, I might have a couple public shows. Uh, if, if not, watch my social media. I'll try and get the word out so that people can come see me perform live. Beautiful. Well, this has been a fantastic uh, weekly installment of Mind Over Magic. I don't remember what we decided our ending was, but we gave you the mind, we gave you the magic, and now we'll give you the... I'm not Over. saying it. I'm Over. Not saying it. And I just want to say, say it. Thank you, amazing Jonathan. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Over. Over. Over.